Welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. Today's guest, his name is Nick Christophers. He is heavily, back in the day, involved in the Italian mob scene. He's a journalist. He wrote about, you know, a couple of books about the Italian mob. I've never met him. Haven't really talked to him other than just a couple of text messages. So I'm eager to hear the stories. What, how his involvement, how deep in the Italian mob he was. So we'll get into that. If you get a chance, also make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Rumble channel, and we're streaming on every audio device, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, you name it. So also, if you can, subscribe, leave a comment, helps out the show. And with that being said, let's get into it. All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert, if you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd be, you'd be crazy, too. All right. Look at you taking that last sip. Make sure you get that quick buzz on. My man, Nick Christopher, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Pleasure being here. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you want to just take that mic and bring it a little bit closer to you? Yeah, sure. If you can. There you go. Perfect. Beautiful. I want to hear that beautiful Italian voice of yours. Well, it's Greek, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny because you're, you know, you do a lot of mobster stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. So you would think that the guy that's doing the mobster stuff has some type of an, Ita- an Italian affiliation, but for you, no dice. No dice. Just grew up around them. Just grew up around them. So before uh, we start in anything, why don't you just um, tell us a little bit about yourself, where are you from, and how did you get you know, to this point? Um, well, I grew, um, I grew up in Rockway Park, which is near Howard Beach area. And, um, you know, when I was a little kid, I, I, I was bullied when I was a kid. I was beat up every day. Every day I was jumped. And back in those days, I was, you know, what used to go on. It's like elementary school now I'm talking. And uh, when, I gra- when I left elementary school, my parents moved to Long Island. And um, I went to a junior high school at that time. And um, I met a guy in the school who happened to be Greek like me, who was the leader of a gang called the Bay Rats or the Bay Boys from Meadowmead Park, which is right near Kennedy Airport. And... Um, fact that I was bullied prior, I said, oh, what a good opportunity. Get hooked up with these guys. Those guys you know, were bothering me. You're leave me alone. Revenge. Revenge. And yeah, it's a good word because it's exactly what I did. And when I joined this gang, and I'll tell you how I got initiated, which is pretty funny. Um, I picked a fight with everybody that bothered me then. I picked up a fight with them in junior high school. So how old are you? So you're in high school at the time, yeah, right? 12, so you meet this 12, guy. 13. 12, 13. Be careful when you're knocking on this because it'll pick up every, th- every time you do this, ah. it picks up on the mic. Ah, I got you. So, okay. um, all right, so you're in high school. You meet this guy. What was he? Junior ja- high. Junior high. Is he mm-hmm. a janitor or something? Oh, no, no. He was a fellow student, you know. Oh, he was a fellow student yeah, yeah, in yeah. a gang right. called the... Bay Boys. The Bay Boys. Right. And... Or Bay Rats. They went by both names. Okay, did you have an initiation process? Yes. How, what was that about? I had to do something. I had to like do like you know it's like the wise guys do they gotta whack somebody right so I had to do something to so called get my button quote unquote so I had to think of something to do so I decided oh they don't tell you no I just pick something okay to do and I decided to shoplift 
So I went to what we used to call back in those days a five and dime. <laughs> yeah, five and dime. If you remember them. Yeah, back of in course. The and um, I walked into the store. Now, back in those days, they didn't have cameras and stuff like we do now. So I walked in there, smart guy that I thought I was, and I decided to steal something that I thought the guys would think would be pretty cool. I stole a penthouse magazine. And I shoved it down my pants. Good, like good, a- good, valuable item. I got to tell you right now, you're going to go to the five and dime, and you're going to try to impress somebody, bring back a couple of naked pictures from Penthouse. Yeah, there you go. Why not? It's a good, good get. Yeah, but I didn't get that far. Uh, so it was in the summertime, right? So um, I all lift up my shirt, and I put it down my pants. And I'm walking out the store. The cop stops me, who was at the store. He says, where are you going? I'm going home. He says, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean? Lift your shirt up. I said, what are you, you, Fanook? I'm not going to lift my shirt up. And the officer- Did you just say Fanook? Yeah. I love it. I said, the the, the officer says, lift your shirt up. So back in those days, we kind of respected the cops. We didn't like fight with them and argue with them. So I did what he told me to do. I lifted up, pulls the, he says, what's that? Oh, how did I get there? He chuckles a little bit, takes the, the magazine out of my pants. He says, before you go home, I need your phone number, your father's name, your address. Ooh, I take said, me to jail instead. I said, all right, listen, that's another thing. I gave it to him because that's what you had to do. And the five and dime was lucky enough not too far from my house. You, Joe, I freaking bolted like the flash. I ran home so fast. Oh, wait, so as he was waiting for you to tell him to give him the stuff, you said, I'm out of here. Well, after I gave him all my information. Oh, then that's not really bolting. No, after I gave it to him, I freaking ran. Yeah, I know, but possible. okay, yeah, I know, but that's not really like, I, you know, why would you run now? Now you're caught, you're dead in the water, you got to go face the music. I'm not running now. Now I'm depressed. Well, but lucky enough, I got home just in time. The phone rang, and I had happened to have a phone in my room. I picked it up as fast as I can. I picked it up before my parents did, especially my father. So I lifted up and I took a, a, a sock and I. St- Put it over the the, the, the phone. I know, so yeah, God, this is genius. Hello, who's this? Oh, this is Mr. Christopher's. Yes, sir. How can I help you? This is Officer So and So. Your son was just here. Oh, okay. Thank you very much for the information, sir. I'll talk to him. Click. I got away with it. Oh, it's the best. To this day, my father doesn't even know that it even happened. But wait a second, though. But you still haven't stolen anything. Yeah, but I told the guys what happened, and. The way his name was, guy's name was John. And the kid that looked into what happened to make sure I wasn't, you know, lying mm-hmm. was this kid, Andrew. Andrew Schmidt. I still remember the name. And Andrew went to the five and dime. And just jokingly, he talked to the same officer. Oh, by the way, was this a guy yesterday with a pen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it covered my tracks. Uh, uh, so they did a little, rec- they did a little recon, recon. <laughs> came back and said, hey, listen, you tried. That was worth it. Yeah, and there you go. That was did, worth it. Did you ever beat up those guys that were bothering you and bullying you? Yeah, I got suspended five times. Really? I started a fight every, every single one of them. What would you do? So you had the backing. Were they with you at the time? And you'd go up there now all of a sudden, you know. you. Si- well, we had the same classes together with some of these guys. And that brings up your questions. You asked me, how did I get into this to begin with, the, the writing part? Back then, when we, we had an English class. And I was, back then, I was, we had different tiers of, of uh, classes. We had the honors class, you know, the middle class, average. And then we had the below. I was below. I was at the bottom. <laughs> at the bottom. So, lo and behold, that's how I met all these guys. I met all the hoodlums because they were at the bottom. Yep. So, we had an English class, and there was a book that we were required to read. 
which was called The Outsiders. Oh, great book. Great book. Great, great movie. book. Great movie, too. Great movie. What a cast of characters. How many famous acting, you know, actors in that movie. Can you pull that up really quick, Eric? Um, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Patrick Tom Cruise. Swayze. Yeah. Oh, great Patrick actors. Swayze was, you know, he was the oldest one at a time. Here, by the way, cheers. Salute. Yeah, salute. <laughs> How do you like it? Excellent. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. So there's the outsiders. Look at him. Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, Howell, Swayze, Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe Emilio Estevez, and Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. Yeah. Probably your favorite director of all time, yeah, I would assume, much. right? Pretty yeah. much? Pretty much. So you, you were in high school. You do that. How was your parents? Like, how did you? what was your relationship like at home? Well, my parents were very... I came from a very strict Greek home where you did whatever your father said, and that was the end of the story. There was no back talk. Unless, you know, you get a, you know, get through, take it through a wall. So, I mean, I got raised right. I had great parents. Um, Any love, a lot of love, or yeah, was it just, you know? Phenomenal. I, I can't say anything bad about them. But they were very strict. So, you know, uh, the fact that I was bullied when I was a kid, uh, I can't say I blame my upbringing or that kind of BS. No. It was because I was bullied as a kid. And the only way, and I wasn't a loud kid. I was quiet. I was, you know, I was an artist. I was a writer. I wasn't into that kind of thing, and that kind of motivated me. And the book, The Outsiders, and I felt connected to that book because I felt connected to Pony Boy, to Johnny. Pony Boy. I felt. Do it for Johnny. Yeah. Do it for Johnny. I connected to those characters because I felt like. Johnny got bullied. You feel? I feel like you are. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Twenty Three with Jim Carrey. Did you ever see that movie? No, no. It's about a book called Twenty Three, and he starts reading it, and it totally thinks and relates to it. It starts engulfing his life. Everything that he sees has the number Twenty Three in it, whether it's a birthday, a president getting assassinated, uh, the tower, something falling down. Everything adds up to Twenty Three, and he starts reading it just like how you did Outsiders, and he says, and he, then he thought it was like modeling after him, and his whole life then changed because of it. Yeah, I mean, I felt connected to the characters because I felt like I was, they're going through the same thing I'm going through, more or less. Yep. You know, they're in a gang, so, so am I. Yeah. Johnny was being bullied, so was Porter Boy. So I felt this connection with them. You're in this gang, though, so tell me the worst thing that this gang, that you've either been done it yourself with them or that you knew they were doing, or whatever it may be, that, you know, was the worst thing that you guys did. Well, as a back then, it wasn't like, you know, they did narcotics and stuff. It wasn't like a mob or anything. It was a street gang, you know, kids fighting with other gangs. You know, uh, we fought mostly... We Steel car radios. Yeah, you know, stuff like that, you know. Um, but more they fought more than anything else. We just to fight gangs from different schools and different neighborhoods. In our school, back then, and this is like in the late 70s. And what school is this? Like Lawrence, high school? Lawrence High School, yeah. Okay. Back then, it was like Lawrence Junior High, actually. Um... It was mostly the blacks and the whites fighting against each other. And I never forget that uh, we used to have what they call rumbles. Yeah. <laughs> you, you laugh because you see that on TV, right? But we had rumbles. And I never forget this day. Uh, we had, we were supposed to fight the jocks. We called them the jocks, the football players. Yeah. And a fight started in the morning, early morning, right before the bell rang. Louis, my friend Louis. Louis was uh, John's like second-hand guy. He was also a Greek. He had a fight with one of the jocks in the morning. Then there was another fight in the lunchroom with another jock from the guy's 
from our crew. Oh, now it's on. So they thought, okay, we're going to have a, they said a whole time, where, whole thing. Three o'clock high. Right outside, yeah. He's out in the field Pretty much right outside. Yeah. It was right after school. But instead of the jocks showing up, the blacks showed up. So now we had to fight the blacks. And the blacks were much more tougher than the jocks were. Really? By far, yeah. And so they, I I was in the school bus because I didn't know what was going on. I don't know if they were doing it or not. I'm in the school bus and I'm seeing everybody on the corner. It's like 40 of us. Guys from Brooklyn are there. Guys from Queens are there. So John called recruits from everywhere. Oh, he called in the reserves. Oh, forget about it. So I said, oh, man, I got to get off this bus. So the next stop, which is really my stop, I, 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 I ran to the front. I said, you got to let me out, the bus driver. No, no, I'm not going to let you out. He knew why I was getting out. I said, you got to let me out. And he said, okay. It's your, it's your, it's your funeral. So he lets me out. I run three blocks to get to where the guys were. They took the fight to a park, not by the school. They took the fight to a park. And as just like the movies, the leaders fought the leaders. John and Lou fought John Kinder, who was the head of the black guys, and this other guy, Eddie McGree, Eddie Mc, uh, McDuffie, whatever his name, last name was. Decree, Eddie Decree. How I remember these names is amazing. And they started fighting. And we were winning. We were kicking their butt. All of a sudden, Eddie Decree pulls out a gun. Ooh. So we're all like, what the heck? We didn't know what to do. And at that point, this point, somebody... Don't know what to do. Run. Yeah, well, we didn't know what to, what to move. How, yeah. you know, we didn't know if the thing was loaded or not. We didn't yeah. know anything. And somebody must have dropped a dime because we heard police sirens. Cars were coming. So everybody bolted everywhere. And anybody chance anybody got a gun, they threw in a shot or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but back then we didn't really carry guns or anything, which is that's what threw us off. Yeah, because you weren't ready for that. No. What, uh, what music did you listen to growing up? Metal. Metal. In Iron the, Maiden. No, actually, Metallica. I'm, I'm lying. In the beginning, I liked the first band, first eight track I ever had was Bay City Rollers. Base City <laughs> Rollers. They're going way back. Now. What about when you're in your room when you were, you know, growing up and you, you, well, just, you metal put on was my thing. Metal, Sabbath, Deep Purple. You know, I love Judas the, Priest. Judas Priest. Uh, Turbo Lover. Iron Maiden. Yeah, oh, Iron Maiden. Number of the Beasts. Number I had that. Beast. I used to have the ba- I used to have the denim jacket with the patch on yeah, the back and a patch on the front. Well, I made. I used to do the. I used to because I, I loved art. I went to. Oh, you were the guy. Later on, I went to college in art. I, I got out of that life. You know, uh, I got arrested when I was twenty one and. I kind of moved away from that world after that. But uh, I used to paint the jackets, the jean jackets. Yeah, of course. I did my own. Levi jackets. The Levi jackets. Yeah. I, back then, that was a big thing, you know, having your band on the back of the jean jacket. Yeah, absolutely. I did, I did Rush, because I loved the band Rush. So okay. I did, I did that, the one with the star and the guys in the middle. Yeah. What would you get arrested for at 21? Assault. Assault? Yeah. Here you are getting bullied, and next thing you know, you turn from the bully to the guy bullying everybody. What happened? Where'd you? Was it at a bar? Was it at college? What, where no, was this? No, it was actually in a parking lot of a movie theater. Me and my guys, Bobby D and my friend O.D., uh, Bobby was a street guy, and we were hassling some women, and we didn't know that men were with them. We had no idea. But they were whistling at us, throwing kisses. We, had, we thought they were single. So we started like playing around with them, and we got in my car, and we started, like, driving towards them. Then all of a sudden, I stopped the car. And there's a fence behind the theater. And the girls went down that way. And one of the guys came up. 
and I'm, I got out of the car. My stupid friends are sitting in the car, not, not moving. I'm like, what are they doing? He comes out, and he starts arguing with me. And I, I go back to the car really quick, and I had nunchucks in the back seat. Nunchucks? Nunchucks. So I yeah, grab yeah, him. yeah, 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 Bruce Lee style. Yeah, so I grab him, and I start hitting him with him. Really? Meantime, I didn't guy. know. I didn't realize there was a police helicopter on top of the movie theater building the whole time, watching everything. Next second I go, four police cars coming out of nowhere, and I get pinched. Oh, that was the end of that. Yeah. He didn't do any time, though, right? That's just a misdemeanor no, assault. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was reckless endangerment, second degree. That's okay. what they came up with. Because uh, the girls wrote um, statements. They made summations on what I did. You get you you were getting laid during high school, like you know, were you a late bloomer? Like what would you think? Late bloomer. Late bloomer. Late bloomer. Well, I'm saying you're in a gang now, so right, so maybe that comes with the territory. You know, you got some protection. You got guys. You know, when you have a gang, usually girls are following around. I don't know about you, man. When I was in high school, the only thing that was forget about the gangs. Forget it. You know, I love sports. Sports was my number one, and then close, close, real close. Number two was vagina. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. You know, but me, I grew up with, um, I didn't really hang out so much with the non-Greeks. I hung out with non-Greeks, and I mean Greeks and Italians, almost my whole life. Well, Italians, you know, I, I, you know, coming from an Italian family, you know, well, put, we, you know, getting pussy in high school was, a, you know, was the number one yeah, priority. High school was paramount, yes. Junior high, not so much. No. So junior high, you're trying to figure out what the hell's what yeah. or whatever. But, uh, yeah, high school was a little bit easier, but... Um, it wasn't your number one priority? No, or? it was. It was. It was. That's so you were always that's on the prowl. guys did. Yeah. That's all we did. Every freaking weekend. We went to every nightclub you could think of. Yeah. What was the nightclub? So you're on Long Island. What was the big nightclubs back in the day that you... Channel 80, um, Malibu. Malibu. But we hung out. I hung out in Brooklyn and Queens more than anywhere. Malibu was a good... A big time club right there yeah, in Long Beach. Pretty good place. What know. about Chevy's? Did you go to Chevy's? Yeah, I went to Chevy's too. Chevy's but on like Long I Island. Like I said, I was in Brooklyn and Queens most of the time because I'm okay. Greek. I hung out in Astoria all the time. Oh, it's all Greek. A hundred Steinway, was, right? Was was Steinway was. and Steinway Street. Yeah, yeah. Dittmar's Boulevard. Dittmar's Boulevard. Um, and back then, is that's when I got when I was in the Queens and Astoria is when I hung out with the Italian wise guys and the Greek wise guys. That's when I got to know. When you say that you're hanging out with wise guys, you know, are you hanging out with like real, like you know, name guys? What what, what families are you hanging out with at the time? Colombo, Gambino, and Bodano. How do you get involved? How do you go from getting bullied, right, in in junior high, to the next thing you know, you're involved as a Greek? Because that's you know. From what I hear, I, I I don't know. I'm Italian, but I can't speak <laughs> it, and I really don't. I watch movies. That's about as far as the Italian goes with me. But from what I do know is, if you're not an Italian, you're not Sicilian or not Bladon or something of that nature. You're not really accepted in the Italian circle. How did you get around that? Well, actually, actually, that's kind of not true. Believe it or not, I mean, you're talking about it mob mob per se. Mob. Okay. Yeah. I'm talking about, yeah, well, being number, involved. Just to let you know, the number three guy in Chicago was Greek, Gussie Alex. He ran the loop. So the, he ran all the political power in Chicago. Okay. Under Tony Ducks, I mean, Tony Car uh, Cardo and um, Joe Weeper, just to give you an idea. Um, but you didn't find that as difficult to say getting, you know, accepted that you're not Italian? Like that never came up at all? Not at all. 
That, no. I mean, then that must be a hoax in the movies because you see that all the time. Well, to be a made guy, yes. Made. You're, you're right about that. Okay. That is correct. But to be an associate, you could be any... Associate, but you can't be a lieutenant, right? Oh, no, no, no. You can't be a member. No, no, That's no. That's what I mean. Okay, I misunderstood. That's what I mean. No, you, can't you can't be a be member. Me. Correct. Yes. That is 100% correct. You have to be a, a, the uh, Italian heritage. Yes. Associated is a different ballgame. Well, what's the difference? Anything. When you say associated, are you like a runner? Is that what you're doing? Oh, or, no, no. What is um, an asso When you say associated, what does that mean? means you could be... I'll give you an example. A pure good example. A guy I know who's doing life right now. Um, his name is Spiro. Spiro was the head of the Greek crew in Astoria. He was under the Lucchese crime family Lembrella. So he's an associate. He kicks up to them every month to operate. He was kicking up like 10000 a month to operate in Queens and Brooklyn. Body was, shop? What was no, he doing? No, no, all his gambling dens. Okay. He ran gambling dens, horse parlors, a uh, little bit of loan sharking, stuff shylocking, stuff like that. But he kicked up to the Lucchese family to operate. So they protected him. He, he was under their umbrella. The same thing with uh, guys like um, George Galatis. He's a Greek guy too, but he was under John Gotti's umbrella. So they have that, you know, just like the Westies. The Westies were under the Gambino family. So how how was that, you know, growing up and being in that scene? Was it what you see in the movies? Was it real? Like you know, the guys they meet up at the at the parlor, they're drinking cappuccinos outside, they're having meetings and stuff. Did you see a lot of that? Is that something that, you know, that persona that they you see in Hollywood, was that a, a, a real resemblance of what real life was? To some degree, uh, the way I, I came in contact with a lot of these guys, um, the Italians anyway, first. Uh, my father used to have a cafe. My father had a cafe in, in Long Island. And a lot of those guys used to come to my shop. Uh, one of them lived two blocks away from my house. My brother played football with his son. Uh, his name was Vic Arena. He was the acting boss of the Colombo family during the Persica Wars. Um, and Vic was a great guy. He used to come to our shop all the time, sit in the back with his two brothers, with either his one of his sons or one of his associates. And, and what family was this? Colombo. The Colombo. Can you pull that up, Eric? The Colombo yeah. crime family? Yeah, and it's the most... In New York? It's the most... <laughs> Dysfunctional one there is, uh, but Vic was a great guy. I knew him very, I knew him well, and uh, he was very nice to me every time he came to my dad's shop, talked to me. Like I said, he lived two blocks away from my house, so I knew the whole family, and they were very nice guys. Um, the Colombo crime family. Yeah, but that was Joe Colombo, the guy shot at the uh, Unity Rally back in seventy. 1970, I think it was. He got was that the Italian Italian Civil Rights League. Civil Rights right. League, right? That's and he's the guy that was portrayed he's, in The Offer. Did you see that movie yet? The documentary. Great, great documentary, Joe. Inaccurate as hell. Stop. On the mob side. Stop. Totally inaccurate. I just saw it. I loved it. I loved every single bit of it. Give me the inaccuracy. I can rip more, more Give mob me some of the. Give me the uh, the Italian mob scenes there that were inaccurate in The Offer. Based on you know what we saw in the documentary, Al Rudy was never this close to Joe Colombo, never, never, never. Really, they had him hanging out, going to the Copacabana. Give me a break, Rudy never met Joey Gallo. That never happened. And Joe Colombo was just sitting there BSing with Joe Colombo at the at the Copa, I mean Joe Gallo with the at the Copacabana. Please, none of that stuff happened. Joe Gallo didn't visit. I'll ruddy and beat him up in a hotel room with a black guy. Give me a break. That never happened. That never happened. That's all fabricated. All fabricated. Did you ever meet Joe Colombo? No, of course not. He died. Okay, well, <laughs> who? Did, oh, that's right. So who? So did you ever meet John Gotti? 
No. I, I, I met him. I saw him from a distance. I didn't get a chance to meet him. I would have loved to have met him, but that didn't happen. I respect John Gotti for who he was, but he brought down the mob big time. He was too flamboyant, too out there. Uh, Do you think I, that the whole celebrity status got to his head? Is that what you think got happened? Got to his head is an understatement. It, it just blew up his ego. Forget about the size of Africa. You know, it was just mob guys are not supposed to be celebrities. They're not celebrities. They're criminals. Bottom line. So he was like, he was trying to, I guess, maybe bring back the Al Capone style. Because Al Capone was like that too. But John Guy didn't realize Maybe, I think, maybe in his head, I don't know, 100%. Uh, but the days of Colombo were different, di- different time period. You know, back then, they didn't know enough about the mob, they didn't realize what's going on. This is different. Tell me about that, though. Tell me about the, 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 the times back then. What year are we talking about right now? Where are we? Well, Late 70s, early 80s? What are we, where are John, we? You mean John? No, Gardner? I'm just saying when you were really in in, in depth of... Oh, with, love, beginning 80s. Beginning of the 80s. Yes. Right? How was it on the streets? You know, because you see now, and there's so much crime, and it just and this is just my opinion. I feel, and, and I'm not advocating for the mafia or the mob or anything like that, but I feel like the streets were a lot safer. Right? 100%. When when the mob was there, even though everybody was so scared, but they were really killing each other, killing different f- members of the crime family out, yeah. you know, and then protecting the public. Is that a true statement? Is that an accurate statement? I would say that. I mean, I think Howard Beach, where John Gotti was from, was one, a very good neighborhood. Very, you didn't hear stuff, you didn't see stuff. It just was a, a good neighborhood. Little Italy, which is now, forget about it, almost gone. Um, I know. I was there the uh, over the summer, and it's just a you know a small section now. Yeah, it's, you know it's, that you're there, and and that's it. And you know you see the guys are still out there drinking their cappuccino. A couple of guys out there in the cafe. Very few. Very few. <laughs> and you know, and and I sat down and I was talking to them. A, a couple of them. I think it was Mott Street, right? Is that right? am I right? Right yeah, there, Mott Street, yeah. Mott Street, and. You know, they said, oh, man, you don't know how it was then. Nobody, you know how they talk, nobody was allowed to do nothing. You don't bring no gun. You don't do nothing. Nothing is here. <laughs> He's like, now forget about it. Everybody does whatever they want, and there's crime everywhere. He goes, but it wasn't like that back in the day. Yeah, it's a very sad case. I mean, I hung out a little early when I was young, and um, it was great. You know, there was Casabella restaurant. There was SPQR. There was Lamella's is still there. I think SPQR and Casabella is still there. Actually, Casabella is owned by one of uh, uh, Joey Gallo's uh, brothers. I think he still is, or his son is still there. Um, but Cha Cha is not there no more. And Cha Cha's a great name. Yeah, Cha Cha was a great guy. I love Cha Cha. Um, his place is gone. Oliva, the bakery, is gone. Just. Over just the other day, they shut it, they closed it down. Been there a hundred years. A hundred years. Is that sad? Just to watch it go, it's just a sad thing, you know. Watching the, the neighborhood like disappear. When, when when you started getting into this, right? So you're 21 years old. You went to college, though. You said, right? What yes. college did you go to? I went to the School of Visual Arts. I was an artist. I, oh. loved, I loved art. You loved it. You I were doing it. the the Iron Maiden, the the Rush jackets, and everything. You wanted to do that, but you graduate, and then you get back. Then what do you do when you graduate? You know, well, you, are you starting to get heavily into this whole mob scene? Well, no. I mean, when I graduated, of course, I moved away from that kind of life when I got to college. Because uh, after I got arrested, you know, it kind of wakes you up. You're sitting in a cell. It makes you think a little bit. 
is this the is this the road I want to stay on? You know, we, not we, too many people do that. Yeah, right. I, so you had a little you had a little talk with yourself in the jail cell. Well, actually, the black guy next to me did. The black guy next to me goes. Hey, yo, brother, what you doing here, man? I told him, I said, this and this and that. He goes, yo, brother, you don't want to be in this. You don't want to stay in this life. Trust me, ain't no good. I said, I, know. I said, yeah, I know. I'm thinking about this. He says, no, no, no. I'm telling you, brother. He was telling me he did like five years. And he says to me, this is not a life. Trust me. Get out of it. And that's exactly what I did. You know, my, I never forget when I was in the cell, um, the death sergeant comes to my cell. And he says to me, you made bail. I made bail. What are you talking about? He says, somebody paid your bail. I said, who paid my bail? He says, your father. Oh, I said, oh, shit. Is it my father? He says, yeah. He's here? He says, yes. You can leave. So he goes to open you the cell. You that or no? Yeah, man. Okay. I want to be able to speak to you. All right. <laughs> I don't want to go. Um, so he opens the cell, and I said, officer, did you look, look at my father? He says, yeah. He said, he's six foot one. He's a mead, a pissed off Greek. Would you go home with him? The officer looks at me, he laughs. He goes, ah, probably not, but you gotta go. You gotta go, you don't have a choice. <laughs> You're out of here. So I get up, I leave. I get outside. My father doesn't say two words to me, nothing. Not even hello. Just walks out. I get to the car. What car are you guys in? Oh, my father had a caddy. Caddy. So I didn't sit in the front, I'm not stupid. I sat in the back seat. Really? Yeah, I'm not dumb. I'm surprised that he allowed you to sit in the back. He didn't say anything. Be careful every time you pop. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's a bad habit. It's a Greek thing, it's even though it's an thing. Italian yeah, thing. It's an Italian thing. I know, but go so, ahead. So I drive home. He drives me home. I get out of the car. And who kicks my ass? My mother. <laughs> not my father, my mother. With the wooden spoon? Oh, for anything she can find. Oh, my God, you embarrassed the family. What's the matter with you? She's throwing everything at me. You know, I'm like, uh, you know, but... It was it was a wake up call. Yeah, but then you got back into it, right? Because now you're all about. Look at you. You got the whole thing. You got the pinky ring. <laughs> you got the you know the chain, <laughs> the the jacket with no tie, the you know the blazer, the glasses. What made you then? So you you, you graduate college, right? What's the first job you had? I managed my dad's place. You manage your dad's place. Where all the guys were coming in. <laughs> All the guys are coming in. You're managing the cafe. <laughs> Here you are. Everybody's getting, you know, cappuccinos, espressos. I'll tell, funny, I'll tell you a funny story about that. We used to have, when I was 13, when I got into the gang with the guys, there was a guy who used to come to my dad's store all the time. And he used to come and walk behind the counter and walk all the way to the back of his office. I'm like, Dad, where's this guy going? He doesn't work here. Don't worry about it. Eventually, I figured out who he was. He was Sally the bookie. And back in those days... The guys used to bet on football sheets. If you remember, there was the long sheets. Oh, yeah. They had college games and the pro games. So I figured out who he was. I said, let me, so I thought to myself, let me see how I got profit on this. So I stole every day, every Tuesday, he would bring the football sheets. And Sal then, the bookie. The bookie. And yeah. then it would, no, sorry, apologize. He would come on Saturday, leave the sheets, and do his pickup on Tuesdays. And ante, you know, he would ante up. Whoever won, you'd pay, and whoever lost, whatever. So on Saturdays when they used to come, Saturday morning, without anybody seeing, I would take one of the football sheets. And that afternoon after I get out of your work, I would run to the library and make copies of it. Now Monday, I used to go and have all the kids better with me. 13 you years old. You became a bookie. I was my own bookie. And 
I was making like $500 a week, clear, at 13. So my dad, one day, stupid me, I left one of the sheets in my drawer. Of course. In my room, by accident. So I come home, and my father goes, what's this? Ah, that's Sally's book uh, sheet. What's the problem? Ah, no, 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 no. I found 30 of these in your freaking drawer. What are you talking about? I said, Dad, oh, it's nothing. Don't do this. If Sally finds out, or if the guys in the office find out, office meaning you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. If the guys find out, they're going to break your legs. You know, it's funny that you say that. I was, um, me and my friend, I was like, I don't know, maybe 19 years old, 20 years old, and I started doing... I started running the numbers, <laughs> bookieing and everything, taking it to all my friends and everything like that. And then I started putting the bets in. You know, when I didn't want to hedge my bets, I was putting it in with a bookie. I guess word got out that I was putting in so much money and I was doing I loved it. I fucking loved it. I hated collecting because, you know, you get, you know, you gotta people flake them. out. You got to chase them yep. and do whatever. And then all of a sudden, one day, I'm downstairs in my parents' house in the basement. I'm watching TV. I'm making good money. I got a nice little ring going on here with me and my friend. We're doing it. I get a phone call. And I'm like, Joey. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you know who this is? And I'm not going to say his name just because whatever. Oh, good. He goes, you do another fucking bet in my town again, I'm going to break your fucking legs. Do you fucking hear me? And I was like, I was like, oh, all right, I don't know, I'm just trying to make a little cash. He goes, you work for me or you don't do it. Got it? Click. And I was like, I'm not doing fucking bookie anyway. That's not for, this for the birds. I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want anything to do with that. I was just trying to do it. But like you said, once you, if they know that you're making money and they're not getting a cut, no good. No good is right. Yeah, that's and no good. That's why my dad told me, you gotta stop doing this shit. You gotta stop doing it. So I did. I had to. I didn't have a choice. Sally never knew I was doing this. Thank God he never found out. Because <laughs> Sal, a great guy, I loved him, but he was an erratic bastard. He used to he got mad when guys won. Why well, guys are gonna win? <laughs> no, I'd get mad too. I don't want to pay up. You want to get the video? Oh, you don't want to pay. Yeah, you don't want to pay. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> Let me ask you this though. Um. You were talking about before, mm. you said that you're like a basic expert on mob movies, right? So well, every, pretty so much everything. Let's talk about a couple of them. What is your what is the best mob movie that you think that was ever made? Not my favorite, but just whatever, whatever was made, right? Yeah, not okay. well, yeah. Okay, outside of my favorite, Donnie Brasco I think was the most accurate. Donnie I mean, Brasco. Accurate meaning not accurate Fugazi. Um, it was good depicting what the life is really like, what the life is like. Not the storyline of Donnie Brasco was completely inaccurate. Really? Getting to the end, yeah. What about Bronx Tale? How accurate do you think that was? Well, Bronx Tale was Chaz Palminteri's life. So you don't know how accurate it could be because that's coming from his point of view. Yeah. Donnie Brasco was supposed to be about Joe Piston. But the story, the, 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 the film itself, things that happened in that movie never happened. Totally wrong. How do you watch that, being somebody that knows that's on the inner circle, that kind of like lived the life or saw the life from an outside view? Pisses me off. It pisses you off, right? Well, Donnie Brasco itself, one of the characters, I don't know if you have, I'm sure you saw the movie. I did. I don't know if you remember the scene when Johnny Depp is sitting in the, when they go to kill those three captains in the house. I don't remember. Can you pull up though, Donnie Brasco, just so we can see a couple of pictures or whatever? The guy, when the guys go, um, um, David Manson, I mean, um, Michael Manson, one of the actors, 
uh, Al Pacino. I forgot the guy who played Nicky Santora. They all go into the house to kill these three captains. That never happened. Johnny Depp is sitting in the car. Al James Russo was the other actor. Um, James Russo, his character, the the real guy that James Russo played, was a friend of mine. John Booby Sosani. John Booby? Yeah, Booby was his nickname. Okay. And James Russo played his character. And there's a scene where he comes, after they kill those three guys, he comes back into the car. Johnny Depp is sitting in the car by himself because he's waiting for them. So James You're not drinking. I will. You got to Come on. Here. <laughs> Salud. What is this? Uh, I saw this on, on Salud, but I saw this on uh, a, a, a toast on the offer. I never saw any Italian say it. Chin chin? Chin chan. Chin chan. Chin dan. Chin dan. Chin dan. Yeah. But, but they, you know, when I saw the subtitle, said chin chin. I never heard, I was like, what the fuck is Chin Chin? Is that something? Uh, is am I There's another inaccuracy. There you go. There you go. Right? That show. Chin Chin. I'm like Chin Chin. But so like I was saying, when when James Russo comes in the car, uh, he's my you know, he was my friend. And that all that whole thing, the scene where they go in the house and kill those guys, yeah. That never happened. One, it didn't happen in the house. Two, none of those guys were involved. Sonny Black was involved. Neither was Nicky Satora. Neither was Lefty Ruggiero. Neither was Booby. I got to tell you right now, they probably were pissed too, or would be pissed. I don't know if they were alive, but Booby you know, sued him. Really? He sued the film company. Yeah, well, he I would won. assume so. Yeah, he did. Yeah, because they defamation. Exactly. It's, it's unbelievable. What about uh, Goodfellas? How do you like, rank that movie? Inaccurate too, but great show. Great show. Inaccurate. Inaccurate. Totally inaccurate. Pretty much. How did you like the Al Pacino's performance in though? In and uh, going back to. Donnie Brasco? Donnie Brasco. He, he, yeah, he played Lefty pretty good. And Michael Batson was great as Sonny Black. Uh, he, they played the characters pretty much accurate of how these guys really are. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it, like I said earlier, when I watch movies like this and I know the stories firsthand or less from John uh, and from other people I know, I love the show. I love the movie. But it, so, it, but, but you said Donnie Brasco is your favorite. Well, in a sense of accuracy. Accuracy. But what is yours if you had to, you have one, you can never watch another mob movie ever again, except this one mob movie. What mob movie would it be? Good, The Godfather. The Godfather. One or two? One. Well, one oh, or two are great. They're both great. You're out of your mind. You're crazy. <laughs> Number three sucked. Two, well, three was two. a pit. Three was a, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But, no. I got it, but yeah, it was terrible. But Godfather 2 was Absolutely. Can you pull up The Godfather 2, Eric? It was awesome. Yeah, they're both Absolutely great. great. No doubt about it. Yeah, and my favorite, favorite character was, um, who's the guy with Robert De Niro when he's a young, he's young um, <laughs> Godfather, okay. right? And it's the guy in the white suit, in the white, uh, and he's got the peach and he comes in and he's, oh, yeah, 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 what's his yeah. name? Oh, um, my God, wait a minute. Oh. You can you pull me. up Godfather 2? On there, just so we, and then scroll. We'll see if we. Is that that's what it left? It's that's what it. Fanu, no, Fanucci, no, Fanucci, uh, no, Fanucci, yeah, Fanucci. Right there, there he is, right there, yeah. top left. With, yeah, when Don like, Fanucci. Don Fanucci. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. What a character he oh, was. Oh yeah, he was. He played his part very well. No, oh, that nothing. was an absolute nothing. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was. A, it was a, a great movie, but The Godfather. You got to realize, The Godfather Part One, Two. Mario Puzo wrote a great book, but he ripped everything from history, more or less. 
So what are you saying? You're saying that not that he was plagiarizing, but it wasn't no. like he had to make things up. This was he was taking things that actually that happened. actually happened, yes. and then just put it into book yes, form. Twisted a little bit, like the scene where um, where Pentangeli walks into a bar and he gets strangled. That actually happened in real life. Larry Gallo got strung got strangled at the Sahara Lounge during the Gallo Wars with Provacci. That actually really happened. That that did happen. And a cop did walk in. The scene, exact same scene. Same scene, same so everything. He, he ripped it out of history. The same, the scene with Al Pacino go to the subcommittee. That, 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 that was the McClellan committee. That was a sorry, the Coffier committee. That happened in the sixties. Oh, you talking about when he went to the Congress in front of Congress? In front of Congress. Yeah. So, same thing happened. Uh, Hyman Roth, when Al Pacino went to see him, Michael Corleone. Hyman Roth. Hyman yeah. Roth. You're was, talking about the movie producer. No, no. Hyman Roth was. The Jewish gangster that Michael Corleone went to see in Miami. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, who's okay, supposed okay, to okay. be Maya Lansky. Maya Lansky. So see, all he did, he took a lot of the his real stuff and just threw it in there. Do you think Johnny Fontaine was really Frank Sinatra? Yeah, Frank Sinatra. A hundred percent. He hated it, right? Oh yeah, he, he got to fight with Puzo at the restaurant. He got to fight with him. Yeah. Well, that was accurate then that on the accurate. offer. That part was accurate. That's accurate yeah. because they were saying it with Johnny Fontaine, but then he said in the offer that it wasn't him. He said that it was actually somebody else. I don't remember the guy, the character. Jimmy Roselli. Yeah. Ah, please. It was it was Frank Sinatra. It was Frank Sinatra. Please, Jimmy Roselli. First of all, I love Jimmy Roselli's music. I like Frank Sinatra, Al Martino, all those guys. Uh, Jimmy Roselli actually backstage. Not, I'm gonna, for lack of a better word, he didn't give it to the mob. He didn't like them. He didn't give it to them at all. Actually, they almost ruined his career. Frank Sinatra almost really ruined Jimmy Roselli's career. How much pull and clout did Frank Sinatra have in the whole mob scene? Too much. Too much. He was very close with Sam Giancana, Momo from Chicago. They were very tight. They went out with the same women. He was friends with Kennedys. A lot of people think John Kennedy, John F. Kennedy was a great guy, nice guy. Kennedy didn't get into office without the mob. That would never have happened. Explain why you say that. Chicago ran the whole thing. They made a deal with Sam Giancana to make sure that John F. Kennedy becomes president. Joe Kennedy was his, John F. Kennedy's father, was involved in prohibition, but bootlegging back in the day. So he was already involved. Yeah, he was involved with Capone and Luciano, all those guys. Joe Kennedy went to the mob and asked him for help to make sure that his son gets elected. Really? Yeah. But isn't it, though, here's the thing, and again, I'm not saying that this is facts or anything like that, but didn't the mob help the FBI in assassinating, do you think, John F. Kennedy? Because that's that, that's the rumor. Rumor has it that him, I don't think it was the FBI or the CIA. Well, whatever one, one of the agencies. One of the agencies had something to do with it. With the mob, though. Yeah. And they were using the mob to yes. do that hit. Well, Sam Giancana was, Sam Giancana, Carlos Marcello, were pretty upset that they got screwed over. Screwed over in what way, though? Because John F. Kennedy, when John F. Kennedy got elected, his son, his brother, Bob Kennedy, went after the mob big time. And, I mean, he was he was making fools out of it. It's a death wish. Right. And he, excuse me, he had a death wish against him. So that kind of went against their, their, their uh, look, we help you, you help us. I mean, that is, you know, 101, Mafia 101. I help you. You owe me a favor, and that's the end of it. Don't you know? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Pretty much, which and, is exactly what happened. And that's exactly what happened. So you got people that got to realize, the mob does not exist without politicians. Can it? Not possible. 
Actually, the politicians are the ones who put the mob in power to begin with. People don't realize that. So you're saying that the mob is paying off these politicians to give them some leeway, allow them to do what they want. No, they've been doing this since day one. Tammany Hall. You can go back to the five points. Back, way back, when there was no mob yet. It still hasn't, wasn't organized or nothing. Tammany Hall was the politicians that ran the five points in Manhattan, in New York. Who they need to muscle, who they need to get votes. The punks on the street, the gangs. They had that, they paid that, they had them. Help, you help me, I help you. It's no different today. It's the same thing. It's no different. Is John Gotti responsible for the destruction of the mob, or would yes. you say it's Mayor Giuliani who's the who's the facilitator of, you know? It's a combination of both, I think. Because even though John, even though Giuliani put a lot of guys away, like Tony Ducks and Fat Tony and all them, yeah, he was a major. He played a major role with the RICO Act, guaranteed, hundred percent. But John Gotti just gave them a little more ammunition. He gave them the whole Gambino family on a, on a silver platter. All those guys were hanging out on the street right in front of the Ravenite every Wednesday night. What was the name of the bar? Ravenite. The Ravenite. Ravenite. Yeah. Uh, stupid. I mean, you had 30 guys standing on the street saying hello to you. I mean, come on. They were taking pictures like a, like a field day for the, for the FBI. Taking pictures of everybody. Uh, it's not smart. You know, okay, you know, I mean, guys got together in social clubs. I'm not say they didn't. But not like that. What was the best social club? Would you say, like when you were when you were in your heyday, and you go into Brooklyn or or New York City, Manhattan, what club was the club? You know, the place to be. You got your cologne. You got your you dressed up. Your hair's ready. You know, about nightclub or social club. Nightclub. 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 What was the difference? Social club. Nightclub. What's the difference? <laughs> social club is what in, in in comparison? Well, social club is just where these guys hung out. You okay, just can't walk in. It's members only. Unless you know somebody. But uh, to answer your question, when it comes to nightclubs, in Manhattan, I don't really hang out in Manhattan so much. I did, but not as much as I did in Brooklyn and Queens. Um, in Astoria, I used to hang out with all my Greek friends in Silver Screens in Astoria, right on Steinway Street, and, pa- and uh, the Papagallos, which is called the Parrot, uh, on, uh, also on Steinway. Those two places were huge back in the 80s. Um, they should have etched my same name on a stool because I was there so often. Um, in Brooklyn, uh, the city scene was one place. Pastels, I used to go there a lot too. Um, what about mob scene though? Where was the mob really like? If you wanted a nightclub, where were Pastels. they? Pastels. Pastels was owned by the Genovese family. The Turquoise. Turquoise was on Fourth Avenue in Bay Ridge. Bay Ridge. Booby, my friend Booby, he owned a piece of it. The Bonanos owned a piece of it. Every nightclub in this in back in those days, the guys ran. You know, in Long Island, we go to Long Island. On um, in, Lo- in Island Park, Long Beach area. If you go to Island Park, there was um, Rocks on, on um, I forgot the name of the street off the top of my head right now. It's right near Long Beach Road and it splits. There was Rocks, there was a, um, oh my God, there was a strip club over there and Frankie Manzo ran all those places. Frankie Manzo was a connected guy with the Columbus. So, yeah. How did you? I didn't, let me ask you this though. So, how did you get? How were you in, but not all the way in? How did you get yourself? How were you able to seclude yourself from not getting so engulfed in it that next thing you know you are getting demanded to do this and do that, and, and now you're you're knee deep, and you you know, and now you got the FBI on you, and you got <laughs> wiretaps. How did you get yourself away from that scene? 
Well, I mean, I, I, I one day I, I, I went to AC with Booby, and Booby had a white Lexus, and we drove up to AC. And what's your game in AC? Craps, you oh, like blackjack? Blackjack, yeah, I yeah. love blackjack. So Booby's wearing Booby was playing blackjack at that minute. So he turns around to me, he goes, "Hey, Greek, come over here." I go, what's that's that? you. That's your name, <laughs> Greek. He called me Greek. Okay. He said, "Greek, come over here." I go, "What's up?" He said, "You got five grand." Where do I got five grand? What are you talking about? He says, "I'm rolling over here. All I need is five. I knew he had the money, but he was like typical wise guy. He doesn't want to use his own money. So he's like, "Do I got five grand?" I said, "Booby, I don't got five grand." I said, "What are you talking about?" And if you gave it to him, you're never getting it back. Of course not. So I said, "Booby, I really don't got five grand." He says, just give me, don't worry about it. I'll give it back. I'll give it to you triple back. Don't worry about it. I said, Booby, honestly, God, I don't got five grand. So he asked me that in AC. Then we're driving back to Long Island. He says, Nick, he says, listen to me, bro. Give me five grand. We'll put it on the street. We'll triple your money. In other words, he was trying to get me to put money on the street to Loan Shark. I, it was tempting. Don't get me wrong. I was very tempted. And I said to him, I don't know, Bibby, I got to think about it. He says, okay, think about it. I was supposed to meet him at a cafe three days later. I drove by and I saw him waiting out there with another guy who was a Jewish gangster. And they were hanging out together outside the cafe. And I see him standing there looking for me. What are you driving at the time? I was driving an Oldsmobile, Cutlass. Cutlass. So I'm driving. Cutlass Supreme. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Cutlass, Cutlass Supreme, Supreme, yeah. So I'm driving past. I, I see him. I'm like, Shit, what am I going to do? I didn't want to disrespect him, but I didn't want to do it because I really didn't have the money at the time. Fuck that. I don't want to go there. I didn't know what to do. So I, I pulled around the corner. I didn't want him to see my car. So I got out of the car and I walked. I didn't want to totally disrespect him because he comes to my dad's cafe all the time. So I walked. I said, John, listen, I got two grand. That's all I got. That's good enough. That's all right. I gave him the two grand. A week later, I said, Bobby, what's going on? How are we doing? Ah, we're not doing too good. I know he was bullshitting me. I 100% I knew but he was But you lying. also knew you were giving that two grand and you knew you were never going to see it again. Probably. Yeah, right? Because that was it. You it, Because here's the thing. You're almost hedging your bet. <laughs> Instead of giving him five grand, which I'm never going to see again, let me give him two grand. It's almost like you, it was almost like you were paying like juice to be a part of him. Give me the two grand and I'll see what I can do. Give me five grand, I can see. But you knew in the back of your mind, let me just give him two grand and shut that might up. and shut him up. Yeah. And that's it. And I don't got to give another three. The funny thing is, I didn't get. I gave him that. He said we weren't too good. All right. Three weeks later, he comes to my dad's cafe. He says, Nick. I go, what's up, bro? He says, we're doing pretty good. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you remember the two grand I gave you? I'm like, yeah. I hit up a guy with ten points on it. I said, here. He gives me an envelope. I said, what's this? He said, that's your cut. I said, you kidding me? He goes, no. I opened it. I didn't open the envelope then. I wanted my father to see me. So I took the envelope. I threw it in my pants. I went to the bathroom. I can't, There was 10 greens in there. 10 grand? 10 grand. I couldn't take it. I went back to him and said, John, I can't take this. No, fuck it. Once you take that money, I said, John, I, I didn't want to take it. That was him buying you, right? <laughs> I know what he was doing. What do you mean? So tell me what you think he's doing. He was tempting me. There's no way I made ten grand on those two thousand. No That's way. what I'm saying. So I gave it back to him. Because now you're on the hook if you take it. Right. So I gave it back to him. Said John, I can't take this. He says, What are you talking about? That's your money. I said, No, it's not. I said, John, listen, I love you. 
but I, I'll, I'll help you. I'll do whatever. I'll beat a guy with a bat if you want me to. I will do it. But I can't take this money from you. He said, you sure about that? I said, I'm sure. He took it, put it in his jacket. He says, no, 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 no feelings hurt. We're good. I said, John, you sure? He says, we're good. I love you. We're good. I love your father. We're good. Okay. I walked in. Yeah, what about the two grand? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, you paid two grand to get him out of your, out of your face. Right. So now, you're an author. You're a journalist, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. How do you get into doing that? And tell us a little bit about that career. How did you spin from saying no to a made guy, basically, to, <laughs> you know, hey, I'm going to start writing about it. And I'm going to start, you know, being, you know, on the outside in. Well, I mean, the outsider's book was one thing that got me to write. I, I was always writing. I was writing poetry. I played in a band for four years. So I, I loved writing all the time. But uh, the outsiders kind of gave me the, you know, the push to write more about that world. That's when I kind of started. I wasn't very good at it in the beginning. But, of course, you know, I got better and better and better and better. Um, you are, you're not drinking. You're not drinking that at all. <laughs> You want to get me drunk over here, don't no, you? No, but you're not drinking at all. <laughs> Who wants to wait? You know, you don't want to go to waste. But you're not drinking. There you go. All right, now we go. There we go. All right. There we go. So, yeah, tell, so, so, so continue. Um, I really started deciding. I mean, I wrote a book when I was very young. But I never did anything with it, which is the one I did now. And around 2000, I think it was six, seven, I became an editor of a, of a magazine called Mob Candy. Mob, Mob Candy. Candy. Yeah. It's a good name. Mob yeah. Candy. Yeah. I, I started writing for them for like seven years. And I made a lot of connections with a lot of people through being part of that magazine. And um, that gave me the, I guess, motivation to go back to the book I did that I never finished. And I got back to writing it. And now that I know so much about that world, and I know so many guys on the street that I know I could just call on the phone that I'm still friends with to this day. Um, I knew I had a, a lot of juice to work with. So that's when I started, you know, I started writing my first book, which I'm trying to make it to a move film right now. Uh, and what's the name of that book? Uh, Destinies. Destinies. Yeah, it's my one, first there, of my first. There it is. That's it. There we go. There we Look go. at that. So did you, is that the Brooklyn Bridge? Yes, that's what, correct. So what did you... Um, who designed that cover? Who's you? You're in charge of that whole thing. The whole thing, with the rose. What's the rose? Uh, what's the meaning of that? Well, I mean, the rose is like the woman. The woman that's involved with the mob guy. The, the hat is the Sant'Angelo, and the the rose is supposed to be uh, Nina. That's not. That's not a uh, uh, Fanuc. What's the guy's name? <laughs> no, Fanucci's not. Fanucci. That's, that's not, not Fanucci's that's hat. Not Fanucci. Well, we picked white because the white would make everything pop. stand out. Pop. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. tell me. So tell us a little bit about this book. You. When, when did, first of all, when did you start writing this book? Oh my God, a long time ago. Long time ago. How long did it take you to from from start? You know, when you first sat down in front of that typewriter. <laughs> typewriter. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> when you first started to. You're right. You're not off. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're correct. When you first started doing it, till it was actually completed. How long did that take you? That process. Well, I wrote it a while ago. My God, I wrote it back. My God. Let's... 1998 or whatever but I, I, I wrote for it and I stopped I only revisited it around 2007 I revisited it and it took me two years to complete it I mean the right way um, 
So that's how long it took me tell to me get it. So tell us a little bit about it. Give us the backstory. Uh, well, this is one of my four books. I wrote four. This is the first one. Um, Were they sequels? No, 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 no. Okay, no, so, 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 so give, us, different. give a little backdrop on, on Destinies. Well, this one this is the one I'm trying to make to a film right now. I have a production team I'm working with. Um, it's, it's, a different, it's a different kind of a mob story. It's not just a typical story. It's very different. The main character is a woman, and um, she... It's a big risk. <laughs> it's a big risk. She gets... Honestly, mob story with the woman first. Okay, I'm, I, I was, as long as she's hot. Well, you got to remember... The majority of readers that read books are women, not men. Doesn't make a difference what kind of book it is. Genre, women read more than men, period. Okay. Um, so, so you're taking that angle. No, well, it's, it's a fact. Okay. Um, so she, Nina, is the main character. She unfortunately gets mixed up with a guy who's a mob guy. Not romantically, she helps him. She's a good Samaritan, does a good thing, not realizing who he is. Later, she finds out who he is, and she's scared. And um, Sant'Angelo, who's the mob guy, um, reaches out to her, finds her, and his boss tells her, you got to work for us now because you know who he is. You have no choice. So she ends up working for them. She hates this guy in the beginning, but she eventually falls in love with him. They fall in love. They have a kid, his son Tommy. Unfortunately, without giving too much away, she dies in a car wreck. Now, Sant'Angelo's a boss at this time. Now he has a two-year-old son. He's going to raise a two-year-old son being the boss of a mob family. He has no other relatives. It's just him. So he decides to put the kid up for adoption. He, the boy gets raised by an ice good, waspy family, knows, has no idea who his father really is. He thinks his adopted father is his father. The boy, uh, down the line, becomes a prosecuting attorney for the DA's office because he wants to be a lawyer. He ends up prosecuting his father, but he doesn't find out that it's his real father until the trial, which is Sant'Angelo. His father goes to prison. At the end of the story, he is, gets an anonymous fax that if he does not find a loophole to release Sant'Angelo, they'll release the fact that you're related to the defendant. She's almost compromised. Which would compromise the whole trial. Yeah. That's, That's a good story. Nice little twist. Yeah. You got a nice little twist there. And you have three other books that you wrote too? Yeah. And what are those names? What are they? Uh, the second one I did was called Prison Rules, which I did with the ex-bodyguard of John Gotti Jr., Johnny Elite, the Albanian, uh, which is a book about really how to survive in prison. It's really meant for the youth, for the young men and women, to scare them straight that prison is not a way, place to go. Uh, that's Prison Rules. Uh, the third book. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Well, that's the old cover. I got a new one now. Based on True Events, Prison Rules by Nick Christophers and co-author. John Elite. John Elite. Yeah. Um, and my third book is called Mafia Ties, the Greek Syndicates, which is about the Greek mob, my people, which is the third book. And the second book is volume two. What's the difference between the Greek mob, you would say, you know, give me some comparisons from Greek mob, Italian mob. Not much. They're pretty much the same. They're very, they work in the same similar capacity, except the Greek mob, they're very more discreet. You know, they're not like John Gotti. They're not on the corner saying, hey, I'm here. You know, they're not like that. There it is. They're mafia, the, the Greek syndicates. Yeah, ta mafia ties. Yeah, that's actually going to get republished by a Canadian publisher very soon. 
Coastal West Publishing is they picked it up. Um, yeah, so the Greek mob is very different. They're not. That's why a lot of people you say Greek mob, they're like people like look at you like there is, you know, people don't know because they're, they're so under the radar that nobody knows they exist. What What do you do? I, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I look at you. You ha- you play the part. You got like I said, you got the jewelry, you got the jacket. What do you do for? You know, just for fun. What do you, you know, Friday night comes along, Saturday night, when you're not working. Brajol, what else? (laughs) Better than Brajol. (laughs) Nice fucking Brajol. But what I'm saying, though, like, are you into, you know, you're watching TV, you go out, you can take your dogs for a walk. What do you do, like, for, you know, just for fun? Well, I mean, I like to go out every. I love. I have a fixation for Latin women, which is a problem. Latin women. Latin women. I love Latin women. I I, I mean, had. I, love, I, love I women had, and then I had a kid, and that was the end of that. <laughs> of that. Never doing that ever again. Well, I mean, I I love women in general, but I mean, what's your look? So Latin women, though, that's your. That's look. my my. That's your. That's weak your. Spot. That's your. Mwah. Oh, forget about it. They're, <laughs> they're the hottest women in the face of the planet. I don't care what anybody tells me. They're hot. They're passionate. They're sexy. They're they are pre- well, if they love you, they're very loyal. But don't fuck with them. No, that's what I'm saying. You can't do anything. It's the worst in the Forget world. Them. I don't want anything to do with those Latin I women a, at all. I, I had a Latin girl. She was gorgeous, Bolivian, beautiful, a body of Shakira, and she was a personal trainer. She was gorgeous, but she was nuts. She was the most jealous girl you've ever met. If I said boo to a girl, forget about it. She go nuts. What, what, what uh? So, so you like Latin girls though? But you go out like you going out to the bars. You, you, you know, are you on Tinder? Or is a guy like you? Are you single? Somewhat. Somewhat. <laughs> You're available. You're available. It's but, complicated. So, so, what do you do to meet <laughs> chicks? Uh, you know, you know, do you go out? You, you, well, I love dancing to begin with. I love dancing. I, I was in a dance crew back in the day. Um, I love break dancing back in the day. Oh, I loved. It. I did of course. that back Me in the too. day. Me Who too. Who didn't? Of course. Uh, those were the days. Um, but I love dancing. I love Latin dancing because I know how to dance. Well, Did you ever go to Studio Fifty Four? Oh my God, yes. I've never. I mean, I didn't. I, I was at Two Thousand and One Odyssey right before it became the Gay Club. Really? Because it switched at the time. Oh yeah, theater. night, night, yeah. night and day. Yeah, I was there right a year before that happened. How was that? What an amazing place! Tell me about that. You oh, walk my. in and, and what I was the, young. I was like maybe fifteen, but I had a fake ID, so I got in. Back in that, we all be fake. I think of course, I, I would go into the city. It was the easiest thing. Easiest thing in the world, yeah. So um, I went to 2001 Odyssey with my friend Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy was Italian. Kid. There we go. And Studio was, 54. That was Studio 54. Um, but 2001 Odyssey was amazing. When you walked in there and you saw the floor, just the way John Travolta danced on it, it was uh, it blew me away. It was Did you? Uh, do you have any kids? Yes. You have kids. I have a son. You have a son. Never married? No, he's 24. No, I'm saying you were never married. Yes, I was. Married, divorced. Well, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> it's in the works. <laughs> it's in the works. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I got you. I got you. So so tell us, you know, from here on forward, what, what are we expecting out of you? Like, you know, what's what's the future hold well, for my, you? Well, my main goal right now, I'm pushing to get my film made. You know, I went to the. I'm hooked up with Shake the Tree Productions, with uh, who's part one of the partners is uh, Lou Martini Jr. from The Sopranos. He's one of the partners of that production. How'd you company. like? Did you like The Sopranos? Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Did you like what was going on towards the end? Because I felt like it fell off in the end. Yeah, I mean, James Galdafini, who I had the pleasure. I I met all most of the cast. 
James Gandolfini, who I think was, may he rest in peace, phenomenal guy. Phenomenal. You met him in person? I met him in person twice, and I had the pleasure of talking to him and chatting with him. Nice guy. Who nice seems guy. like a really what nice a guy. What a down-to-earth man. Him and another actor, uh, whose name is Armand Asante. Armand Asante played Gotti in the 1996 film. Armand is a great guy. He's a good friend of mine. I've been to his, I broke bread with him at his home twice. Very nice guy. Amazing actor. Him and James... I think they're two of my two favorite actors, only because of the down-to-earth way they are. They don't let their ego get in their way. Um, but Dave Chase is a great writer. Uh, it was a great. Sopranos was a lot of fun. Uh, do I think a boss would be going seeing a psychiatrist? I don't think so. But that did happen in reality. But it was a nice twist. It's a twist, but yeah. it did happen. There was a guy who did go to a psychiatrist. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, so that is true. There was a wise guy that did do that. Um, but so that's not totally inaccurate, somewhat, because uh, it doesn't happen all the time. Because if they found out, he'd be whacked the next freaking day. Uh, Do you ever see anybody die? No, thank God, no. You I ever see, saw anybody killed? Yeah, I see somebody stabbed. Yes. You did. Yes. Where was that at? Manhattan. I walked out of the club, and uh, after we had a fight with some guys, one of the guys I knew walked to the guy walked into the car, and my guy went over there and started stabbing him. Really? I said, oh, shit, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get out of here. We started bolting. Oh, God. Uh, Have you ever seen anybody die, Joe? No. No, me neither. I've never seen anybody die. No, I've never seen... God, I've yeah. never seen that. I've seen guys beat up yeah, many, yeah, many yeah, times. Yeah, man, I might What's your, what, what do you think is the best steakhouse in Manhattan? Or best steakhouse you've ever been to? You a big into steak? Um, You're not a steak oh guy? Oh, my God. Let me think of the name. Uh, Smith and Walensky's, I think it's called. Smith and Walensky's in Manhattan. In Manhattan. That's the, in Midtown. That's a wise guy joint. Yeah, that's a wise guy. It's downstairs, right? Isn't that a downstairs? Uh, I think there's a downstairs. Yeah, there's a downstairs. I only, I only ate upstairs. That's a really good place. I think yeah. I've been there one time. That's a, a phenomenal place. Like what else? The 50s, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's a wise guy place. Smith, can you pull that up? Smith and Walensky's. Smith and Walensky's. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Steaks and chops. Yeah, steaks yeah, and chops. Not cheap. Are you a sure. filet guy or are you a, a porterhouse guy? It doesn't matter. I love steak. You love steak. Uh, I like brajol better. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes better. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know yeah, if it well, tastes you know, better. It depends on the woman. Yeah, it depends okay. on the woman. It depends you know? if she took a shower. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Um, and what about what's your favorite food? Well, I'm Greek, so I love Greek food. But Greek Gyro? Greek and Italian. No, gyro's not. The gyro here is garbage. Okay. The gyro in Greece is totally different. Uh, but Greek and Italian. I Greek, and Greek and Italian. Italian you love yeah. Greek and Italian food. Love and it. growing up, what was your favorite cereal? <laughs> My favorite cereal? Yeah, let's we'll see what you got. Your mom Lucky got Chubbs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat that shit no more. You don't eat that shit no, anymore. It's all sugar. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, like, I, you, like you, I work out. I, I, I can't eat that kind of garbage. You can't do that. Yeah, I know. It's tough, but you know. What about, uh, did you stay away from drugs your whole life, or did you ever dabble in that? Yes, I tried weed. I sold weed. Tried weed. I tried cocaine once. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. No. I did cocaine probably, like I would say, a handful of times. I hated it, too. Didn't do anything for me. Didn't, no, it made me I just... I put it on my gums. Oh, uh, freeze. I know, forget it. freeze. I was, at a, I was in Farakaway, which is all a black neighborhood. And that's where I used to go buy my weed. And um, I went there with my cousin, and we went to a place where we knock on the door, and it, the thing slides, and the guy says, hey, I'm what you need, brother. And we tell him, and he gives us an envelope with whatever we need, whether it's a nickel or dime, whatever it may be. Yeah, nickel or dime. So I said, I said, yo, Leroy, I need a line. He said, okay. So he gave me a line for free. Didn't pay for it. 
Me and Louie, me and my cousin went to the bar, went to the car. We took it. I put it in my gums, right? I could have filled my teeth for a week. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's going to freeze. I ain't doing this shit again. I did that at what time? So I was at Mulcahy's, a bar, right? In oh, yeah, I know Mulcahy's. Yeah, yeah, I'm in Mulcahy's. And, you know, the, the Coke's getting passed around, you know, from friend to friend to friend. And, uh, you, know, you know, okay, hide me, hide me. So, you know, they're at the bar, whatever, you know, and you do a couple of bump here, you do a bump there, you know, hide. I go into the bathroom then right after that because I was fucking, I was whacked out of my face at that time. <laughs> my friend's like, you know, do a freeze. I was like, what the fuck is that? He goes, hey, come on. He goes, just put your finger right here. Hey, this, uh, I, I, I couldn't feel my mouth. <laughs> for the entire night, I don't know why. Why would anybody? I, why would anybody want to do it? I have no idea. I didn't feel it for a week. I know it's crazy. They drink anything or whatever, and then you know the thing that I hated about it is because it was so instant. You get that little buzz, that little high, lasts for like around ten minutes, and now it's where's the coke? <laughs> Who's got it? What do you got? Uh, you know, you know. Anthony said you got it. No, I don't got it. Well, Timmy said you got. It. Hey, I don't got it. Where'd you go? Where'd it go? I gave it to the girl. She's over there. You go to the girl. I don't have it anymore. And next thing you know, I'm walking around the bar chasing coke. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm never doing this again. This is so stupid. Yeah, uh, we, we, me and my, we used to drink a lot. Yeah, drink that's a what lot. I did a lot. Wait, my, what, what did you drink when you go to the bar? What did you drink? Well, back in those days, well, oh, well. Do it in water? Zambuca was a big thing. Zambuca, of course. We drank Zambuca like it was going out of style. Yeah. I never forget. We used to go to. A little Buca in your coffee? No, straight. Okay. We used to go to a nightclub in Queens, like I told you, called Silver Screens in Astoria. Any Greek listeners will know what I'm talking about. And the bartender knew my friends, knew also, because we, we used to be there. Every Friday night and Saturday night, we were at uh, Silver Screens. And there was about 12 of us. And he would line the shots up. At the bar before we get there, all chilled buka, and we used to do it every week, and I, I it was tasted good, man. It's black licorice, right? It tastes like oh black licorice. Yeah, it I know. Good. Yeah, I know. It tastes good. Oh yeah, that, that was the thing. That was your thing. So that and what about now? You a beer guy? Honey Jack. Honey Jack. I don't drink. I like beer, but if I go to a place, I love Honey Jack. Are you on social media? Do you have yes. so if people wanted to follow you and want to get in touch with you, book you, or you know whatever it is, you know your books, your books on Amazon. Yes. How would they be able to get in touch with you? Well, the, well, Nick Christopher's dot. No, sorry, Nick Christopher's fifty at gmail dot com is my email address. So pe people like a lot people from what I understand. Uh, when I started putting my books up there, when I self published them first, like they like signed copies. So I tell people, if you want to sign copy, email me, and we'll make we'll arrange it. We'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Uh, Nick Christopher's dot org is my website. People want to check that out. Uh, it's not the most updated thing, <laughs> but I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Nick Christopher's with an S at the end. I got a picture with my me and my cigar. You'll know. You'll You're a big cigar guy? Yeah, I love cigars. You love cigars? Love them. Uh, I love it. Well, listen. Don't smoke them every day. Oh, there we go. There you are. Yeah, there's me and my cigar. <laughs> Nick Christopher's Inc. Yeah, that's my company. Look at you. Oh, love it. A talented <laughs> individual. I've always immersed in the arts, whether it's drawing or writing, my passion for both unwavering. Graduating from the School of Visual Arts. Look at you. It's a good picture, too. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, Nick, I loved having you on. Oh, pleasure. Anytime that you want to come back on, you're invited. I, I'd love to have you. Love, you know, I love your stories. I love the whole background. I love everything about you, brother. Thank you very much. I really Same appreciate here. it. All oh, right. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. More than uh, a pleasure. Yeah, and with that being said, we are out. Peace.